500 vehicles to sell, 500 ways to save. One month only at Phil Penny Mitsubishi during May Memorial Month. Now through May 31st, we will accept your credit application. A $200 down payment and a $350 a week paycheck can get you a new Mitsubishi. Don't forget, every new vehicle comes with our 10-year unlimited warranty. You can win 5000 with our 5K test drive giveaway. Visit PhilPennyMitsubishi.com. To qualify buyers on approved credit, warranty valid through 10-year ownership on new vehicles only. One entry per household per month. Must be 21 with valid driver's license and insurance. See dealer for details. Shut up and sit down. something. Here's the thing. A couple of years ago, during National Novel Writing Month, I wrote, I plotted out before um, it happened, before Nano started, I plotted. And I plotted out this story, and it was this little story about time travel, and Harry and Hermione were going to go back in time and save magic, and it was going to be this simple little story. Um, And uh, something happened during that nano, and I don't want to cast blame. I really don't. But it needs to be said that during that nano, I encountered a challenge from another writer in the nano that um, I never had anybody participating in nano with me who was prolific as I am, who who could move and as write fast as I did. So every time she posted, I felt like I had to post too. And my plot kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and my story kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, um, um, and then we're at the end of the month, and I've got like 180,000 words, and I only plotted 75K. And I'm very good when I plot of plotting how much is going to take place in this word count and this word count and this word count. That's how I trained myself. I can plot for 5K, 50K, 100K. I can do this. I That's one of the reasons why I like to write in episode format for the Sentinels of Atlantis. Um and why I like to do, and why I started doing it with Harry, with Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, is because um, I really enjoy that format a lot. I, I like the episode format. So, Unspeakable Plot, which was supposed to be a 75k novel, turned into something else, and I don't know what exactly it is. And I get a lot of questions about the unspeakable plot because it's been a couple of years since I did that nano and it's not on the site anywhere. There's not an excerpt anywhere and there's not an excerpt on my site because that particular nano was so popular and went just overall that entire pro that that entire rough trade um was super popular and when I cleaned off rough trade I got so much crap from so many people. It was insane 
how much crap I got from people about, oh, why would you delete this? I can't believe you deleted this. I hadn't finished reading this. Where can I find this? Da, 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 da. Oh, it went on and on and on. The whining, oh, God, it, and the butt hurt. Oh, it was terrible. It was a terrible experience. In fact, it was so terrible experience, I came precariously close to closing Rough Trade. I didn't because, it, but I had to have a, I had to step back a little bit from it because I was getting um, a lot of problem with it, and just I was getting really frustrated. And so, Unspeakable Plot isn't on my website because it isn't, it isn't on my website as an excerpt because I got so many fucking emails about that story I wanted to murder people so it's not on my website and it won't be on my website until I get ready to start posting it and I'm on the fence about whether or not I'm going to post it at um, in an episode format like I did Hey Potter and the Soulmate Bond or if I'm going to do um, if, if I'm going to split it into uh, several novels and, and distribute it that way. I'm just I'm really on the fence about how to do it. Um, but my 75k plot, uh, by the time I finished Rough Trade, I had finished one third of my plot document, and I got. Hold on, I'll tell you exactly how many words I've currently got, and I'm still sitting at the 25% mark, ish. Now at this point, because I had to do some replotting, so I'm at between 25 and 30 percent of my plot document for um, the unspeakable plot, and I've currently got 182,000 words written and about 70 percent of my plot left to go. So, based on those numbers, we're looking at 500k for the unspeakable plot. No matter how I end up posting it, it's going to be about 500k. Um, I'm at 186 right now. That's just some numbers for you. But it's uh, based on just what I plotted. Originally, it was just supposed to be 75K. And I'm not blaming anybody, Jilly. I'm not. I'm not blaming. But there was just this There was this really um, competitive streak she brought out in me. And as a result, I don't read Jilly's. Um, stuff during Rough Trade. I don't read her anymore during Rough Trade. I have to wait till Rough Trade's over to read her work because if I see her being super productive and I get involved, then I have to feel like I have to compete, and that's how we get 180k out of 75k worth of plot. And I'm not even done. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. Uh, so. <clears throat> It's, but it's not her fault that that's my nature, and that's why Unspeakable Plot isn't um, isn't finished and isn't online, and it won't be for a while. And every once in a while, I get a question about it, and that's how little things become big things by accident. Sometimes you you plan something, and um, and this is a, this is a really important lesson to keep in mind as we move into our short story rough trade and boot camp, and we're go, and we're moving into the little black dress, and we're going to have three opportunities this month to meet that short story challenge. 
and um, every word's going to count, and your word economics, uh, I can't stress enough how important word economics are as you move into a short story challenge, and why also it's important, I think, for, and um, just take this as a, uh, a, the voice of experience. Do not write on more than one story at a time during um during a challenge. Now, I have lots of works in progress. We add them up one night, and I don't remember the number, but I'm sure Lady Holder will be more than happy to put that in the chat room for you guys. And when she does, I'll repeat it on the air. Um, I have a lot of work in progress, but during challenge, I do not work on anything but my challenges. Because if I let myself be shifted away from that, it's gonna. Sh- she said 111. I have 111 works in progress. Over half of those are Harry and Hermione. Don't fucking ask me about them, people. Just don't. Okay. So, but. Having said that, that I have a hundred, I actually do. I I do have probably close to 130 works in progress. That's just the ones I told her about. Um, but uh, no, it's not 200. Well, okay, maybe actually it is 200 if I count my professional works. Yeah, it's definitely 200 works in progress. But my professional works, I tend to finish those because you know money. <laughs> Money. <laughs> Money's a big motivator. <laughs> so I don't have nearly as many professional works in progress as I do fan works because fan works and you know, it's a hobby and it can fun and I can expand and you know, play with ideas and stuff and play with concepts and tropes and I really enjoy that. But um with my professional work and you know, it, it's done a certain way and there are only so many ways you can do this or do that and you know, and so and like I said, I get paid for those and so there is um, those get finished. Um, those get finished. And um, to date, if you're interested in knowing, I have, I'm not going to tell you how many I've got published, but I have finished, um, not counting fan works, I have 182 finished novels. Not counting my fan work. Um, which makes my, like, original work word count, um, Upwards of six million words. It's upwards. I mean, I mean, it's up there because um, the the works that I have completed are a mixture of short stories and long and novels and novellas, and so I think it's upwards of six million words professionally. Um. So yeah. <laughs> That's so crazy. And see, that's how things get big, but you don't even really pay attention to it. Um, I'd like to ask everybody in the chat room to bring your font up to 22. Just click on the T, and you'll have a number there, and put it up on 22, because I, uh, while I do have new glasses, and I'm currently wearing my new glasses, tiny font makes my head hurt. And I've already had a terrible headache once this week. I don't want another one. Um so yeah, I mean, you work every day. I mean, as a writer, um, I I work on it every day. Um, I average between I don't know six and ten thousand words a day. I mean, because that's my job. Mm, yeah, um, and less than half of that is fan fiction because it, fan fiction is a hobby. It's not 
something I get paid for, so I can't legitimately. You know, there are there have been days when all I did was write fan fiction. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to lie, um, but then I had to turn around and write for a week on something professional to meet to meet a deadline. So I try not to do that. Now during challenge this month, I've given myself. Um, I've set aside time every day to work on my my challenge fix, and um, I'm feeling really good about my time management. But what I would say, and I said it before, and I'm going to like expand on this topic a little bit, is that when you're working on your new on your challenges during rough trades this month, don't be tempted to stop one story and start the next. And I'll tell you why. It you'll lose focus on the one you stopped working on. You'll lose focus. One will end up being complete, and your other ones won't. You'll get frustrated. Sometimes writer's block will set in. Just make a plan and stick with it. Work on them one by one. And this is just a voice of experience talking here. When you're outside of a challenge environment, there's no pressure, but because of the way Rough Trade's set up and you're posting in front of an audience and there are people who are, you know, waiting for your updates and sometimes they're impatient, but, you know, you don't get to see that because I don't let them comment on the site like that. But there is that anticipation and you start to have um, this, uh, you start to feel the pressure of making sure that you get the stuff done for your reader and so uh, that you've got an audience and they're commenting on your on your posts. And it creates a pressure cooker environment for in a writing challenge, which is one of the ways that Rough Trade, I think, is very unique because most writing challenges take place in private. You say, okay, you're going to write from here to here, and no one sees your work but you and maybe a writing partner if you're, if you're, if you're writing with a partner, which is what you're – but – when you're in a situation like Rough Trade and you're putting your product out there for everybody to see as you're working, it creates a unique environment where pressures you didn't know existed start to pre- to start to impact you. And those of you who are new to Rough Trade, um, I think that a lot of participants in the past have made Rough Trade look really easy. Um, it's you know, it, it 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 goes up there regularly, and it looks awesome, and be like, oh, how'd you do that? That looks great. That looks easy. But it really isn't easy to put your rough draft out there for everybody to see. It is literally like sitting at a table at Starbucks buck naked. I mean, that is exactly what it would be like. Because, and you... Writing is a raw experience anyway. It's raw, it's it's intimate, and letting somebody else read your work is, <laughs> is so nerve-wracking. But to have someone read your rough draft is a special kind of hell, to be honest. I mean, it's it's just, it's, there, there comes a point in my writing process where I have to release my my work to a beta or to an editor and I'm like okay you know and I have to stop myself stop I'm stopping myself you can do it just here have it what do you think don't be mean to me (laughs) but in rough trade you don't have that that transition from private writing to public writing takes place in a very different environment and it can be a very challenging place to be as a writer. Um, for, so for those of you who are reading, 
um, please keep that in mind and, and, and be respectful. Uh, only two, uh, there are five moderators, there are three, yes, there are five moderators on um, Rough Trade, counting me. Uh, three of us are riding, two are not. So the, the two that are not riding will be doing um, a, a lot of the moderating and um I can't guarantee they'll be nice to you if you're an asshole. I certainly have not asked them to be nice to you if you're an asshole, so don't be an asshole. Um, what's really interesting about the Rough Trade this time is that we have um, over a hundred fandoms. There are a hundred fandoms, and every single one of them is crossed with a sentinel. And it's so it's going to be so interesting to see how this works. And I'm really looking forward to um, to watching it. And um, seeing how it goes, you know, so it's just, and we start in three days on July 1st. Whether you are a plotter or a pantser, how you approach rough trade is is your personal um, business. Just uh, please don't make it more difficult for yourself. Sometimes you get an idea and it's too big for a short story. Sometimes you get an idea and it's too small for a novel. Determining where that idea is going to work is a talent. And sometimes even if you've made the decision, okay, this idea is actually too small to be a novel. I'm going to do this short story and I'm going to move on. And then you start writing it and you realize the short story that you thought you were writing isn't a short story at all. It's like a scene out of a bigger out of a bigger story. You know, it's it's one difficult moment that spurns a novel and, and you don't know that until you get into it. So um every writing challenge teaches you something. So when you're when you're going into rough trade this time, um plan for success but don't be disheartened by failure. I learned as much from failing as I do from succeeding. Often I learn more from failing because I learn um, boundaries. I learn how to push my boundaries. I learn how to accept defeat, how to acknowledge winning without being an asshole about it. And every time it's a little bit different. So just, you know, keep that in mind. But, yeah, that's why – and also, if you're doing writing this time and you're like me and you have a competitive nature, maybe it's best if you don't pay attention to the other people on the site when they're writing. You'll have plenty of time to read these short stories after um, July. Um, we won't clean the site off until October to get ready for November. Um Oh, yeah, that's actually a very good point, Julie. Um, Julie points out in the chat room, this is especially true if somebody else is writing in your parent, you know, with with one of the pairings you chose or in one of the fandoms you chose. Stay away from those fics because they're just going to distract you or discourage you or <laughs> or in some cases inspire you. And in a short story challenge, that's the last thing you want is to be inspired out of the blue by something you did not plan. Because all of a sudden, your short story is going to be 200 k And then what the fuck are you going to do with that? 
I'll tell you what I'm going to do with it. I'll, I'll tell you what I did with the last one. It's still sitting on my hard drive. I'm, I'm just saying. There's going to be a lot of activity on Rough Trade this time. Um, I highly recommend that you not read comments during the challenge. Even the ones that get published on your posts, don't read them. They're not, I mean, we moderate all posts, so there's nothing going to be nasty posted on your um, on your stories because we don't allow that. But I think a lot of times, especially in a, in a high-stress challenge, like three stories in a single month, um, readers can be distracting. You don't owe a single commenter on Rough Trade a thank you for commenting. Number one is unnecessary. Two, it adds more work to my um, to my moderating team. So just don't. And also, if you respond to their comments, um, it encourages a dialogue, and you don't have time to have a discussion when you're writing 30k. And that's your minimum goal for um, July is to write 30,000 words on three different stories. If you hit the top of the goal, the maximum is 45 and the minimum is 30. So you've got roughly 45K-ish to write in a month. You don't have time to have a conversation with a reader on the site, which is why they're not allowed to ask questions. They're not allowed to offer, um, like, constructive feedback. They're not allowed to offer plot advice or anything like that because um, they don't need to be trying to engage you in a conversation when you're trying to write in a writing challenge. And that's why I don't allow questions on rough trade. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If somebody contacts you outside of rough trade, feel free to let me know. Do let me know because it's um, it's disrespectful, and I, I don't appreciate it. And I will um, let them know how I feel about it. And if they're a real asshole, I'll throw them off of trade. I've done it before. I will do it again just because. And, I'll, yeah, also keep in mind that because there are going to be – this is going to be our biggest rough trade to date. Not on word count. We've had bigger word counts. Um, um, but maybe not. I don't know. But – this is the biggest rough trade we've ever had for stories because there are from I had some people withdraw. Hold on one second. I will give you a number. There are 216 projects on rough trade this time. Um That's a lot of work, so don't get discouraged if you don't get comments. That's a lot of activity going on, and also readers know that they're not allowed to engage you in conversation. So sometimes that they might have a question for you, and it never reaches your page because I've deleted it. I do delete them, comments every day during Rough Trade, and I won't stop. 
Lady Holder says our minimum goal for July will be 2.16 million, uh, 2.16 million words, and our maximum is 3.24 million words, and that actually is our biggest word count to date. That is a lot of fucking words. Um, my personal Kira site just went over 2 million. So to, just to give you a little um, like scope, uh, I think my current word count on my personal Kira site. Uh, I don't think I, I did that little thingy in a while. Hold on. Um, my current published Kira word count is two million forty-eight thousand words. So uh, that's a little roughly what what trade what 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 rough trade is supposed to produce in July. So just keep that in mind as a writer. There's going to be a lot going on. There's going to be a lot of wordage. And if you don't get, you just, people are going to be spending all that fucking time reading. They might not have time to comment. Just saying, don't get discouraged. It isn't about, um, rough trade isn't about the reader. It's about the writer. And I know I've gotten some flack for that recently about um, I closed the uh, Rough Trade uh, Facebook group to readers, and I got some crap about it. Um, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if you get mad. I really don't. Um, Rough Trade never is and, and never was and never will be about the reader. It is about the writer. It is my way of reaching out to other writers, and um, this is going to sound terribly selfish, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I value my relationships with other writers more than I value my relationships with readers. I get more personally from interactions and uh dialogues with other writers than I do with readers. I enjoy interacting with my readers on a variety of levels. I answer emails. I answer your comments. I even turned that Ask Me Anything thing on on Tumblr, and I've been answering questions. I haven't gotten many questions, and I'm not sure if it's because people don't want to ask me questions or if they're just afraid I'll cuss them out on Tumblr. If you're not an asshole, don't worry about it. I'm not going to cuss you out on Tumblr. Probably. I mean, I can't promise to. If I'm going to cuss you out, I'll do it in private. How about that? <laughs> I'm going to put Lady Holder here on the air. Hold on. Hello. Hello. What are you doing? Hello. I was just finishing dinner, actually, as I was listening to you talk. <clears throat> Timing. I has it. Every. You has it, indeed. <laughs> You caught me a couple times as I'm eating dinner, so my dinner got cold. Yeah, but this time you done good. Oh, so I'm one of the people who is not going to be doing rough trade, um, and I will be one of the people who will delete comments if people are assholes. And my definition of asshole can be, in some ways, worse than Kira's. All right, and uh, this is probably true. Probably yeah. true. 
Yeah, it's just, just it's just easier. Think about it this way: if if you don't want, if the comment that you just typed in before you hit enter is something that you would not want to receive, don't send the damn thing. That's just easy, okay? If you are writing something and somebody says, "I like this," but, and you your your reaction to getting that would be, you know, to to you know, want to rain hate and discontent down on the person, nobody else wants to get it either. So don't send it. All right? Just so much easier if you get that done right now. All right? <laughs> just, just take it away. Um, someone did hey. ask me um, in an email privately uh, why I have the um, the title I do for my current radio show. Um like throwing a Twinkie down the hallway, and I'm going to blame it's all Azure's fault. It is every bit of it. Every single word, letter in that title uh-huh. is Azure's fault. And it has to do with um, double penetration. And if you want to know the whole story, I suggest you listen to my previous radio show, Bottoms Up. But do listen with your headphones on. Don't listen around small children, and don't drink anything Might be at the all. best thing you can say to them all, you know. Yeah, all just, of just don't. Just don't. Mm-hmm. And I did actually, I got an email from somebody who um, who was irritated with me about um, the things I said about condoms during that show. And <sighs> I... I want, I want to clear this up. I, I, I want to be perfectly clear. I did not say that you should not use condoms ever. That's not what I said. What I did say is that if you're going to let two men stick their dicks in your in any orifice that you have at the same time, that friction is a problem and it will break a condom. Mm-hmm. Too much lube, you're going to lose a condom. Not enough lube, you're going to break a condom. And and honestly, honestly, when it comes to double penetration, there is no in-between. You're either going to have not enough lube or too much lube. So the moral of that story is don't have double penetration with two men you don't trust. Although, honestly, don't fuck a man you don't trust. I mean, that, that's just my personal, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm not going to say that I didn't have I didn't have adventures in my youth where I did things I wouldn't <laughs> do now because I grew up and I now I know better. And um, uh, there was a time when I let my clit do my thinking for me. I, you know, it, it happens. We all go through that stage. Practice safe sex. But when it comes to double penetration, there really is no in-between. It's either going to be too much lube or not enough lube, and condoms are going to get misplaced or lost or broken, and just be safe, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm just speaking from experience. Adventures, that's what I'm calling it. I have, um, one of my cousins has a friend from Ohio, and she called it her whore face, which I thought was hilarious. But, okay, I'm not calling it a whore face. I'm not. I'm calling it my adventure phase. <laughs> Whatever works. Now, I have a cousin. <laughs> I I have several, obviously. I have I have a bunch of cousins. Um, my stepsister 
and um, my cousin and um, my sister, and it was a whole bunch of girls, and um, my sister's best friend and my best friend, and um, just it was just about ten years ago. We were all out in um, uh, having brunch, because that's what you do in the South, you have brunch. I think they had brunch in California, too, I'm not really sure. <laughs> you would expect. But in the South... Brunch doesn't actually evolve so much around breakfast foods as it does alcohol. I just, okay. yeah. In fact, the first time I honestly had a mint julep, it was at, and it wasn't non-alcoholic. It, yeah, that's just what we do, you know. So we were all at brunch, and um, we were drinking margaritas. <laughs> And having French toast, cause that, as you do at brunch. And I, um, I lost my train of thought. It just felt like you've never done that. That's like, that just means I'm getting old. Oh, the oh, whore face. Up. Oh, the whore face. Okay, the whore face. Shut up, I know, right? But I, I had the mental blue screen, I did. The whore face. And so we're all at lunch, and um, my cousin had brought her friend from Ohio, and this is the first time we I had ever heard the, 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 the term um, whore face. And um, one of my cousins was with us, and my stepsister at the time was a virgin. It's very interesting, and we were all looking at her like she might be an alien. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, and so I'm like four margaritas into brunch. <laughs> and, we're talking, and my cousin says, and I quote, and she says this to my stepsister, um, and I want to call her stepsister to, like, because I'm not using names to differentiate between the two of them, my sister and my stepsister. I don't actually refer to her as my stepsister in normal everyday life. She's just my sister. She's kind of an asshole, but she's still my sister. That kind of runs in the family, so it isn't her fault. I mean, she she don't have the genetics, but she definitely got the environment, and that's a huge factor. Um, but... uh. <clears throat> My cousin says, and I quote to to my stepsister, um, "Don't worry, I've had enough dick for both of us." Yeah. <laughs> and I ordered another margarita <laughs> because oh. I had nothing to add to that conversation. And so I'm sitting there oh. with a margarita, minding my own business, and my sister turns to me and says, "Wait." Didn't you fuck two guys at the same time in college? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so then I was there, and because I had had four or five margaritas, I told them the story. (laughs) In explicit detail, as you know I'm capable of, if you've read my work. Oh, God. Every other word out of my mouth was cock. And in my defense, there were two cocks in that story. Oh, so that was like cock the cover. Oh, <laughs> in more than one way. <laughs> so yeah, so that's what that's what happens at brunch. Uh-huh. Margaritas and cock. Which is gonna be the which is gonna be the like title of my next show, Margaritas and Cock. Oh, if I can get away with it, you know, because sometimes because sometimes blog mm-hmm. talk um 
censors my titles. It's it's, it's bullshit. Mm. Yeah. So if you see a little bullshit. asterisk from where the O is, you'll know I've been censored. Anyways, <clears throat> yeah, that's what happens. That's what happens. And um, I do have a very large family, and um, <laughs> I uh, I am not calling mm-hmm. a story margaritas. I might call strawberry margaritas and cock. I love strawberry margaritas. I'm sorry, Azor. I'm so sorry. But I love them. I love, them. I love I, strawberry I prefer, margarita. I prefer if I have to have a margarita that it not have tequila because honestly, <laughs> tequila to me just tastes rotten. <coughs> it's, it's not the only super taster thing I ever seem to have gotten which is the ability to to taste exactly how hideous tequila actually is. I like the uh, other margaritas, too. I mean, I'm I'm not picky. You, you give me a margarita, and I'll drink it. I don't care. I do like a strawberry daiquiri, too. I, I love strawberry daiquiri. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. Rum. Rum is good. I'll take a daiquiri. But white liquors make me mean. I, um... That that's no lie. Vodka, tequila. Uh-uh. Vodka makes me Whiskey. vicious. It, it makes me really sar- sarcastic and terrible. But tequila brings out the fighter in me. <laughs> really? How is this different? You, <laughs> no, you don't understand. <laughs> this is like this is no. <laughs> it's like Kira times ten. <laughs> oh, that's so fabulous. <laughs> When I ever get together, I have to In fact, the only time I've ever been in a physical altercation where I started the fight, I was drunk on tequila. (laughs) Yeah. And I snatched this girl, I mean, I snatched a whole big patch of hair out of her head. I ain't gonna lie. And then I beat her in, I mean, it was terrible. It was terrible. I'm surprised I didn't go to jail for it. Um, But, uh, and bourbon makes me... Love everybody. I love everybody. I get mellow, and and I'm not gonna lie. Um, the one liquor that my dad gets homicidal on is whiskey, and since my mm. kid sister did pretty much the same thing, I avoid straight up whiskey vibe. You know, I I won't drink it. I think you probably should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I cannot stand the smell of Jack Daniels. I know why it's like anti-southern because Jack Daniels is actually um, distilled in Tennessee. And it's like the drink of the South, but I cannot stand the smell of Jack Daniels. Oh, it's so probably gross. the best thing ever. Yeah, gross. Let's let's avoid that stuff. But I like Crown. I like Crown. Mm-mm. Um, yeah, I do. I, I really do. I can drink Crown out of the bottle. I ain't gonna lie. Should I get you? I like enough? Captain Morgan. When when I'm drunk and don't care, I'll drink Captain Morgan like it's water. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. I'm having an adult caprice. What are you doing? I'm having an adult oh, caprice. It's just frozen. She's opening up a box of wines, what she's doing over there. I'll no, I'm guys. not. Actually, I'm not having one of those. This is one of those This is one of those frozen strawberry lemonades from Schmirnoff. Oh, okay. It's just it's fucking frozen. So, <laughs> Barbara <yeah>. says <laughs> I often sail with Captain Morgan. I... I have I have been on that boat. I yeah. I sailed with Captain. I, I have been on that time. boat. Ah, God damn it. Yeah, the cat's really interested in in what I'm doing with the uh, 
the frozen lemonade. Hmm. When I was in okay. college, um, peppermint schnapps was really popular. Oh. Yeah, that's a thing. And, oh. oh a really good way know. to regret oh. the next day. But wine coolers actually, like, got really super popular when I was um, in college, too. And I'm not sure if they, I mean, it was like they boomed. And there were wine coolers everywhere. And my favorite wine cooler um, was a fuzzy navel. Absolutely. <laughs> Someone just popped it in the chat room. I love the fuzzy navel. Oh, my God. I love those. Oh, that was the best freaking wine cooler. Um, yeah, no. Not my thing. Awesome. That's a fuzzy awesome. navel. Awesome. I love a fuzzy navel. Mm, it's so good. I I got two that did that. Yeah, but you're a pantser, right? You don't plot. You're mm-hmm. you're a pantser, so I have, you I never have know what's going to happen to do a story. Oh, bullshit. I have a very general idea of where I'm going. Okay. And then a body. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know how he died. I don't even know where he fucking came from. <laughs> just boom. Actually, in this case, it was, um, I wrote, you and I were talking, and, um, it was Sherlock. Hang on. Mm. Sorry, chewing ice. I didn't want to have anybody, you know, um, scream because your ears hurt. Um, you and I were talking, and I I don't know if you dared me, if I dared you, or what was it, but Beautiful and Dangerous thing started out as this 400 or so words that I put down, and I just I sent over to you and said, see, I can't write this, and you went, yeah, you can Here's something back, and you and I spent the rest of the night, you know, shipping stuff back and forth to each other, and that just completely blew up in our faces. Um, the other one is um, my actual biggest story set to date, which is uh, close side of indifference, and that started out as a. Um, what I thought was a very small story that I was going to do and I was going to get it over with and everything is great. And it's not. It's really, really okay. not. I need to I need to put myself on hold for a second. So just keep talking. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Is there a beep to let me know? I hope you let me know. Anyhow. So, and fuck you, Azur. It, that tea lady is, is, you know, as far as you're concerned, she's badass. Um. As far as uh, the rest of it, it, the the next one that actually blew up and, and got big was um, the Young Sentinels and Guides because that one, again, was a very, it felt like a small idea and it kind of exploded from there. It went far further than I expected it to. Um so that was that was an interesting um, an interesting happening for me that it went that viral and that far um, the way it did and and I realized 
you know, that it is uh it's it's actually one of my one of my bigger ones that and I didn't realize it until I was starting to look at things to write again and to see where things were and I know that of everything I've got, that is probably one of the um the biggest things out there for folks. And so I I enjoy writing it. Uh, I'm not going to lie. The Young Sentence and Guides as a whole has a lot of um, a lot of things going for it. And it's actually only five stories, and with a sixth sitting on my evil author day stuff, and that's pretty amazing for me. You know, I didn't realize quite how much work I put into it and, and how much it it grew uh, in the doing. You know, um, so the the different things that the different things that I've done, yeah, it's uh, I never quite know, you know, until I start looking at stuff again to see when things are going to turn out. Um, if I can actually. Years here. For 2015, eh, I'm doing okay. You know, it's not any big deal. Um, hmm. Yeah, there's always a, a small delay, just that way we can actually, you know, not sound like complete another idiot. Um, I hate to say it, but, you know, it's a little too late for that. But... Uh, biggest one. Oh, actually, I take that back. Lion Rampart was actually the biggest one so far this year. If I have to, uh, I, should I mention that I'm writing on that one? That one's actually in the active group, and and I'm working on that one right now. Hmm. So, um, let's see. I figured out my big plot holes in that. Uh, it's really interesting rereading what you write especially when you haven't read read it in a while because I haven't been working on that one in long enough that um, a great deal of it felt very new and very um, very odd to get back into alright um and I just heard somebody else on here. So, Kira? I'm back, yeah. Oh. Sorry about that, guys. I uh, I had to pee, and I can't pee on the podcast. <laughs> now, that's not to I'm say so that I don't you. take Lady Holder with me to the bathroom, because I totally oh, do when we're on the phone sometimes sake. for hours at a time. I have gone to the bathroom with her on the phone. That's not that's not a lie, we've but eaten, not – um. dinner. I don't actually yeah, want to – Yeah, nothing um, I don't want to take all 42 of you to pee with me. That's how many live listeners I've got right now. Uh, And plus all the people who would be on the podcast. I was looking, and this is really interesting because I was looking at my statistics from the radio show. And Uh um, because Blog Talk keeps sending me these emails asking me to do advertising on my show. Um, And I Uh couldn't figure out why they wanted me to do that. And I was like, why do they want me to do that? And then I went Uh and looked at my statistics, and I – 
My radio shows average um, a thousand downloads. So there are about a thousand people who download oh, it from either Blog Talk or from iTunes, and obviously they're asking me to advertise because they can make money um, off that advertising. And but I haven't done it because. Um, I don't really want to, uh, but you know, if if economics take a turn, you, you guys might have to listen to me, uh, you know, advertising. I don't know what they would make me advertise. Maybe I may be, I may be porn. I don't know. I mean, I haven't asked them what I would be asked to read. Uh, I would love to read condom ads or if if you're listening, dildo ads, butt plugs. I'm all for that. You know, if you get me an advertiser, yeah. I can do that. I would, yeah. I would love to do advertisements for you. I'm just saying. Oh my God, Luba I would totally love it. Lubrication, <laughs> condom. Hey, the one. Butt plugs. The, the one thing I, I said that was yeah, already. I'm keep, obviously I'm really attached to the idea of advertising butt plugs. Uh huh. The one um, I actually want to. The one thing I want to fold into a story, and I absolutely have to figure out how to do it, is that one 55 gallon drum of lube that you can get on Amazon. That's the one thing <laughs> in real life I really desperately want to fold into a story. All right. Okay. Here's a question on um, the chat room. Oh, hey, question. <laughs> I know exactly what it says about you, you freak. <laughs> oh, yeah, is yeah. asking, what program do you write in? I write in Microsoft Word, and I'm going to tell you why. It is the publishing standard, and when you publish with um, either traditional print publishers or e-publishers or magazines, which I do all three, um, when you get your edits back, those edits require the use of Microsoft Word. I have never actually worked with a publishing company that did not use Microsoft Word for their editing. Unless they didn't use electronic editing at all, and I got it in the fucking mail up from FedEx. I'm like, what the fuck is FedEx? And I opened it up, and there's my book with notes all over it, and then I had to get out my Chicago style manual and look up that little chart because I had no idea what these little editing marks meant, and I called my agent, and I was like, what is this, the 1950s? And she said, just do it. So I did. I think I'd have screamed. But the moral of I'm that really, entire diatribe is to write, um, is to invest in Microsoft Word. I highly recommend it if you're interested in getting published because without it, editing is going to be a fucking nightmare for you and um, your editor. And I once had a publisher, um, not me personally, but my one of my friends who um, – she had several books with the publisher, and she refused. She wrote um, an open office, and she refused to buy Microsoft Word. Well, after they oh. finished her three books in contract, they told her they would not contract her again until she provided proof that she had purchased Microsoft Word. She had to send them a screenshot of her Amazon purchase before they would oh, give Jesus. her another contract because the editing process was so terrible that she actually doubled the editing time on all three of her books for her editor. I think I'd scream. I think my and editor would have It's more too. than just um, the note function. Um, a lot of times Microsoft Word notes and track changes don't transfer into these free programs accurately. You won't get all the notes, and you won't even know you're missing notes because that software isn't going to tell you. Mm-mm. 
And if you're using a really old version of Microsoft Word, it can dump notes too. And you won't know that you're missing your editor's notes. And then your editor gets pissed with you because you're not doing the edit you're supposed to do because you didn't even know that the notes were there because your office software, whatever you're using, has deleted the notes or it's just not showing them to you outright. So it, it makes you like an arrogant twat. And also not conforming to the industry standard and doing what is asked for you. Um, you know, being published is is an honor and a privilege, and you need to treat it like it. And I'm I'm, I'm doing a little soapbox here, and I'm sorry, but um, it's it's scary as fuck. Most people do not get published. So if you are offered a contract. It is because somebody at that publishing company has seen value in your work, has seen potential in you, and they're going to invest their time in you. They're going to invest time in editing your book. They're going to invest time in purchasing and paying and having an artist design your cover art, and you need to respect that process. I go into every single process as a writer with the deepest respect possible I can have for my editor, even if I don't like them, and even if I bitch about it later, or if I call Eddie Holler and say, this one will let me use the word cunt, I still respect <laughs> that. I mean, granted, I did complain because, hello, I was writing erotica. I can use the word cunt. But if I'd been writing inspirational, I'd have been totally so on board with her hard. telling me that I can't have cunt. Okay, fine, you I can't have cunt. so hard. It was. It was. It was I, but it was erotica. I know. I can use the word cunt. I mean, yeah, but so, it was yeah, just, just funny as hell. respect the process. Write in Microsoft Word. I have never encountered a single modern publisher who didn't use it, ever. Oh, it's so funny as hell. And oh, I have God. worked with upwards of fifty publishing companies, and I've never encountered a single one, independent or Big New York, who didn't use Microsoft Word. Keep it in mind. Um, when it comes to for organization, there are a couple of options. There's Scrivener, um, which is a paid program. There's OneNote, which is free. Scrivener is a little bit more robust. Um But I think OneNote is more user-friendly. It's just... If I but if I'm gonna compile something like when I got ready to make the Sentinels of Atlantis ebook, I used Scrivener for organization because there were twenty five parts or so thirty parts. I can't remember. Whatever. I had to use um I used Scrivener for organization when um when it came to creating um the the first big file for Sentinels of Atlantis. because um, I imported all my parts into it and um uh Organize them. There's also Evernote. I've never used Evernote, so I don't have anything to say about that. Um, and there's Liquid Binder. I, th I think that's what it's called. I've not used that either. I highly recommend OneNote because it's free and also because it integrates very g nicely with um, Microsoft Word because it's a Microsoft product. And again, that's the industry standard, and you. That's one area where I highly uh, encourage you to conform if you want to publish. Um, I have OneNote on my tablet, on my phone, and on my computer so I can make notes. 
on different devices. But you have to log into a Microsoft account so that it syncs properly. So, so keep that in mind. And when you build your OneNote notebooks, it has an option to share with multiple devices or keep on one device. And you must always, 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 when creating your notebooks, um, to uh, make sure they're shareable on all devices. Otherwise, you'll you'll lose shit. Just you know, putting it out there. And as many times as people move from one. Um, one piece of electronics to another, you know, it's just easier flat out, honestly, if everybody, if you're all on the same, um, the ability to share and everything is shared, you know. Now, Kaz Baby is saying that Liquid Binder is similar to Scrivener. I have Scrivener on my laptop because I completed a Nano one year and they offered a, a, a discount to buy it. I think I paid like 20 bucks for it that year. Um, I think it's regularly 40 or 39 or something like that. I don't remember. I mean, honestly, it's been a long time since I did that. Um, I use Scrivener just for organization, like after I'm finished and I want to put together an ebook or something. Um, it's really easy to just drag all the parts into Scrivener and you can move them around and it's just really interesting and love. But I really, I really highly recommend um, OneNote because you can drag videos into it, you can drag images into it. Um, I. Hmm. You just got distracted again. I did. <laughs> I had another blue screen. Jesus. <laughs> oh, well, um, you know, um, I uh, I have a diabetes issue, and um, I had a little sugar problem earlier today, and it's kind of me loopy. I mean, I'm not like sick or tired right now or anything like that, but I'm a little um right now. <laughs> you have to bear with me. Did you today? I get easily distracted. I think that um, the best plan you can make for yourself as a writer to get organized is to figure out where your weaknesses are and correct for those weaknesses. Now, while I do do digital organization, um, Jilly and Lady Holder and Azor and Senna can all attest to the fact that I actually plot on paper because this week um, nice I kept sending them screenshots of my notebook uh, from You're where I was plotting too. my rough trades. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it, it was very horrible, but it's, it's very loopy. It's very pretty handwriting, actually. So, well, you thank know. you. I actually, I actually, my handwriting is terrible compared to how it used to be. I used to have really beautiful, like, you know, that person then, um, in your family that you would get to write mm-hmm. invitations, I was that person. But then I went to college. Everything and it ruined you. College, yeah. mm-hmm. Well, in, in college you have to, you're writing, but not now because you can take, you can take your laptop to class and type mm-hmm. on that and, and do your notes that way. But I had to write on paper in college, and taking notes in a, cl- in a, in a college environment, it, mm-hmm. it ruined my ability to, to – to, it ruined my penmanship. My penmanship. So um, while I still do have decent handwriting, it's not beautiful the way it used to be. I mean, I used to be able to use a calligraphy pen and everything. I could use a quill. I, mean, I couldn't – but I couldn't now. And I, my grandma taught me that. Um, she taught me how to to write um, that way uh, because it was just something that she felt like um, I should be able to do. Um, then she's also the reason I had debutante season, but we're not discussing that. Sure, I'll be good. 
That's just what we. That's just what Southern girls do. Okay, we learn to write on <laughs> linen paper, and we have fucking debutante debuts. Okay, that's just what we do. And yes, there was a big fucking white hat involved, and there might have been some magnolia. Shut up. <laughs> and, I am not. And my first alcoholic know, beverage was, in fact, a mint julep. And just kiss my ass. And, I mean. And yeah, right. Yeah, him, himself isn't anywhere near. Look, here's here's something as a complete aside for for some folks. Kira and I are friends. We are good enough friends mm. that she has literally called me up at four in the morning her time and says, "What the fuck is going on with my site?" And my reaction is, "Huh?" And you know, then I go hunt down and find out what the hell is going on with the site. Or it will come up. Is it just me or is it is it everybody? <laughs> Yeah, or or I'm I'm you know I'm I'm at home. It's the weekend. I get so I'm going shopping, and I don't want to be on uh, you know I don't want to. I got to have company. Okay, fine. And I hear, son of a bitch, I shouldn't have let him have the password. What? And he's got the password for the shared grocery list. And he's going. I have the Kroger app. And it's a grocery store app, and um, Kroger, I forget the other branches of that Kroger is around the country, but, you know, it's, um, mm-hmm. I have the Kroger app, and um, on the app, it has a shopping list. And you can mm-hmm. add a shopping list from your tablet or online. And before I left the house, I was telling my husband about it, and he asked me casually for the password. And he's my husband, so I gave it to him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I am halfway through my shopping list, and I know. And she and I are on the phone, and I I keep hearing, you know, remind me when I get to this. Where are you now? Oh, I'm in the meat section. Okay, well, when you're in grocery, when you're in the, the the you know bread section, you need to pick up. And this is how we how she shops. This, this, and this, and yeah. And my husband started this. adding to the grocery list from his computer. So my tab would ding, 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 ding. And I went from having like 10 items left to having 25 items left to buy. And I'm like, what the fuck? What? Son of a bitch. <laughs> and, and then I hear, I have to go, what? He's got his, he needs to stop fucking adding stuff. I've left that section of the store. <laughs> I know, right? Because I organize my, I do in fact organize my grocery list by section in the store. And I was finished with vegetables, and he decided he wanted Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. It was really fucking annoying. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. just putting that out there for you guys. I'm just, yeah, really annoying. So, if you have mm-hmm. a grocery store app, don't give your husband the password. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. It it was it was one of those of where, you know, I'm sitting here going, Really? He he's 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 doing what? So yeah, this is this is how we are. Okay. We we um we sit here and we laugh and we scratch and we giggle and I also get the whole thing of Thank you, Pete. Okay, so yeah, there's that too. Um and then I also get a check your email. Why am I checking my email? Check your email. Everybody who's on Facebook with us can attest to this. We both do this to each other. And so I'll check my email, and then we'll, we'll you know, talk to each other. And 
the the telephone calls grew out of email, grew out of IM, you know, and and grew out of uh, slowly learning to to trust each other and do the whole um, brainstorming thing that we do. And let me tell you a story. I'm gonna tell them a story. So <laughs> I broke my foot. I've actually broke both my feet since I've known Lady Holder. But the first time I broke a foot, I broke my foot. And I'm hobbling around in the fucking sci-fi air cast. And I'm, and I'm hating it. I'm hating every fucking minute of it. And it's summer, and I can't I can't wear my cute shoes I bought. And it was just, it was hellacious. And I'm over here riding, way, and she has no idea. She has no, my mother took them because she said, well, you know they'll be out of style by next summer. That's a, that's a bitchy thing the to bitch do. The bitch took every pair. She took all four pair. That's beside the point. That's not part of the story. Okay. Oh, well, no, I have so not. I'm over here riding. Some other I'm over dogs. here riding. And she has no idea because I haven't told her. I'm riding and I'm riding and I'm riding. And about a week, a week and a half after I started riding, I got on Facebook. I said, "Hey, check your email." Yeah. So she checks her email and she calls me. She says, "What the fuck is this?" And what it was for those of you who have not figured it out yet was the rough draft of Birth of the Serpent King. <laughs> and what reaction? So the first is- time she sees it, it was a completed novel. Mhm. <clears throat> How far apart are we? Um, in mileage, uh, about fifteen hundred to two thousand. I'm in the south and she's in the west. Mhm. Culturally, so some probably, days we're a couple parsecs <laughs> Um, <laughs> probably I don't know, ten fifteen hours. Uh. Ish. Yeah, about that. No, wait, no, wait a second. Um. Texas. We're probably Texas. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mileage. We're probably about. Now I have to really think about this. About eighteen hundred, I think. Um, there's there's at least a couple states between. <laughs> you know. Um, nineteen. Nineteen hundred miles. Damn, I was close. <laughs> That's actually twenty nine hours of driving. Who knew? <laughs> Geography isn't my strong suit. <laughs> I forgot either. Texas. I like to overlook Texas. Texas. I'm, just, I'm just, yeah, I'm well, just saying. I was, I was Texas. overlooking Texas. I was um, ignoring Texas. <sighs> Texas stands between us. Of Texas, which is the, the, you know, the top part of it. No, it's, it's a big, big fat portion, portion, of portion of. It's a big fat portion of Texas. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it now. But yeah, 29 hours, 1900 miles. Who knew? Um. <clears throat> Interesting question. We've and, never had that question before. And in reality, in in some ways, it's um, <clears throat> the distance between us is probably less than a telephone call some days. You know, um, <laughs> because every once in a while I'll get the urge to call her, and then my phone rings, and <laughs> it's like, <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's 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 just fun. And I'd be like, you will not believe what I just saw. Oh God. Yeah, I I get the. Are you are you still at work? Yes. How much longer are you at work till? Uh, 
and I'll tell her another couple of hours. And then as soon as I can, you know, as soon as she can, she can get hold of me, I get the, you would not believe. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then, boom. <clears throat> yes. And then that cunt. <laughs> oh, God, that was a good Because thing. that comes yeah. up in a lot of conversations. And then that cunt said this. Sisters from different but, mothers. Honestly, uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure given that, that um, from from what I, my father has found out about some of my family, I have a very nasty feeling with cousins, however distant that may be. <laughs> That's yeah. probably accurate. That's probably accurate. And, and the really crazy thing is, is we started discussing foods that we both like and hate, and we we both enjoy most of the same foods. She eats seafood and I don't, and I eat, I like artichokes and you hate them. But, you know, other than that, we mm, seem right. to have a lot of the same likes and dislikes. Her husband's an asshole. My husband's an asshole. Mine's an extrovert. Mm. Yours is an introvert, though. You know, so that that that's true. That's just something but really they're both interesting assholes. about ours. Mm-hmm. They both have the same mm-hmm. asshole gene. It is amazing. Yes, but yours doesn't do half the shit mine does when you're on the phone with me. On the other hand, I have a nasty feeling that if he actually you know gets a little more used to me on the phone, he may end up screaming in the phone or close to the phone. Are you on the phone with that woman again? <laughs> Yeah, I'm that woman. Her husband calls me that woman. Um, My husband calls her my girlfriend. (laughs) Yeah, that basically works out to what it is some days. Yeah, at the level of, of, you know. But I don't care if she calls me at 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, She's been on the phone with me. We've literally spent most of the day on the phone with each other, and we probably talked a grand total of an hour. I know, right? Because we'll you know. both be sitting over here writing. I'll be like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And she'll tell me, and I'll be like, what are you doing? Okay, I'm telling you. And we'll both be writing on the phone uh-huh. with each other. The really fun It is a good is thing that I get free long distance. Yeah, same here. Because we're not on the same plan either. <laughs> no. You know, um, we, we've hashed out. We've hashed out um, fan fiction. Um, I will be honest and, and say that she held my hand and drop kicked me a couple times when it came to stuff that I was doing with the professional stuff I've got. Um, I did not, as much as I really, really, really desperately wanted to, I did not go cry on her, her metaphysical shoulder um, with the second and third uh, rounds of editing that I did, I had with um, the second and third books that I've done because they were harsh, but I knew what I was getting into when I did it. Um, I did, I think, and, and she can probably go find the, the the text messages comment that I desperately wanted uh, wine to, to get through my my edits though, and I still yeah, but you learned something, right? I did, I did, but it's it doesn't mean that you know. Opening, opening my first data from you, okay, the, the day I told you to just go ahead and let her rip, um, wasn't quite as terrifying. All right, and that's really weird. But it was... There's, I'll give you, um, I'll, I'll tell you exactly why you felt that way. Because um, as 
as much as you know when when you beta for someone that you know you take a very gentle approach and um we can joke about it but in a lot of ways she really is my sister from another mister and i wouldn't in, so when i tell her something okay this really doesn't work that's exactly how i say it this really doesn't work whereas an editor might say no this is stupid <laughs> <laughs> so there's I, 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 when you're personally connected with another writer and and you're um, moving through a beta process together, mm-hmm. it isn't quite the same technical experience that you get from an editor who number one um, doesn't know you and number two doesn't care if she hurts your feelings because it's not her job to care about your feelings. I, um, I and I've had a lot of editors know. just just stab me in the chest. I'm not going to lie. And I'll be like, oh, my God, you bitch. And if I knew her personally, I'd never talk to her again. But because it's not mm-hmm. personal to her, I had to learn to not make it personal for me. And that was I, and I think that's the difference because you knew, even as bloody as it was, that I wasn't mm-hmm. going to set out to hurt you. Oh, no, I'm, I'm well aware that you weren't. but And, and I'm also aware that my editor wasn't either in in the you know no no that's just not her job no in in the reign of 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 it wasn't a personal thing but what it was was um i lost from both books i lost about well from the book that got published this month i lost about 4,000 words, and from the, mm. the one that's going to get published next month, I lost I lost about seven. All right. So there was a very large divot carved out of those. Now, does it mean that it was wrong? No, actually, it was quite right. Um, but one of the things I I learned... With fan fiction, and you've you've commented, you know, when I when I sit there and I get bitchy um, about stuff, is that I have a far more realistic um, view of what uh, the editing process is than somebody who comes into this cold. Right. All right. Um, not that you know, I. I I got the kid glove treatment from any of my previous betas because some of them weren't. Uh, you weren't, but it was. It wasn't my sacred word has never before been edited. I am the new Tolkien of the universe because you know it's it's perfect prose bullshit. Right? <laughs> it, it, you know she's she's joking about that, but there are writers out there who go into the editing progress process who think they don't need editing and they are difficult to work with in writing groups um and i have actually kicked a writer out of one of my groups because she told me she didn't need editing and i told her to take her ass home that she was not welcome um in my uh in my writing group um and I meant it because um, that kind of attitude is contagious. And there were a lot of young writers in my writing group, and I did not want 
a single one of them to get the idea that they were writing in blood with a gold-tipped pen and didn't need any help because nobody is perfect. Everybody needs editing. And and here's the thing. Um, Kira can, can attest to the fact that I really, really, really like the Lord of the Rings stuff. And my husband can attest to it to the point where he won't watch the fucking movies. He hates them at this point. Um, but I've watched the behind-the-scenes stuff so much that it turns into noise. But there's a line in there that, and this is the reason I'm bringing it up, where the the publisher comments that you that, that you know for Tolkien, it was you did not edit Tolkien. And I'm thinking about it, it's like I can't read his stuff. I can watch the movies. I can listen to the to the story. It's gorgeous. His word choice is just phenomenal. My red pen itches so hard I can't stand it, so I don't read him. And you know why. You know why you don't get to edit Tolkien, right? Yeah, it's because he he didn't allow edit because he got paid by the word. I don't think I blame him. Keep that in mind the next time you're reading Lord of the Rings. He got paid by the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... Mm. <sighs> I my, That's ugly right there. That's what happens. Yeah. <clears throat> my unfortunate urge with him is, is not... It's not kind, it's not nice, whatever. I, I, I can't stand his stuff. I can't stand the actual writing portion of it. So I don't read him even though I adore the movies. And and maybe it's because, for me, in reality, every movie off of a book is just visual fanfic. You know? <laughs> but, um, what? It's the truth. It's all visual fanfic. Because, I mean, think about how many... how many different um, versions you can have of, of one story that's out there. So, whatever. It, it, you know... All sorts of different things. But um, the reason I bring it up is because I know I'm not, I'm not that, I'm not perfect, all right? I'm not the one who is going to sit there and, and say that you cannot. And I will take my, you know, perfect prose and go somewhere else. At which point my editor probably would have gone, it's the lovely, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you know, and I can't do that. Now, here comes the point um, I will bring up to you guys who um, have never seen a professional um, publishing contract. Um, Mm -hmm. In most contracts, there is a clause that says that if you don't meet your editorial burden, they will dump your book. There is also mm-hmm. a clause that says the publisher gets final say on the book. So if you don't do the edits, the publisher has every legal right to go behind you and have somebody else do them. I and then you get no say whatsoever. Yeah. Mm. And so just just keep that in mind as if if, if any of you move into that to that air to that arena that um that while your book is personal and intimate and it's your book, um, it's a product. 
to a publisher. Mm-hmm. And they have expectations that you have to meet. And if you're not willing to meet those expectations, you're going to get labeled an arrogant twat, and eventually it will get around, oh, she's a difficult edit, oh, he doesn't take instructions well, oh, he's terrible, he's abusive to the editor, he had this is sarcastic asshole. It gets around, and while there isn't technically a blacklist, if independent publishers have a uh, a, a tight knit community, and if you're an asshole to five different publishers, it's going to get around to the others. And then no one's going to want to work with you. Your editors won't want to work with you, and if you can't, and if you Make it difficult for an editor to work with you. No <clears throat> publisher is going to touch you. Yeah, I've I've actually gotten some very nice compliments that you know I was I was very um, easy to work with, and it's like well that's that's nice to know. Not that I was um, I actually. You know, in, instead of being horrible and upset and throwing a tantrum at what, you know, what came down, um, I was like, okay, let's see what I can do to make this work. You know, and that um, that needs to be said as something that, you know, that should be uh, the attitude that you're going to have with something like this. Okay? So, and we kind of wandered far afield. So well, I don't really have a topic tonight, so we can do whatever the hell we want. <laughs> this is true. Yes. <laughs> it isn't like I outlined a topic list. Um, well, you know, this is true. I think that um, that my basic rule of life is don't be an asshole, and that uh, that transfers to a lot of arenas. Um, mm-hmm. You know, don't be an asshole to your kids. Don't be an asshole to your mom. Don't be, you know, just don't be an asshole. And if you're if you have an asshole in your life, you have every right to excise them. Mm-hmm. Like you need to stop being an asshole, and if you can't stop being an asshole, you need to go away. And when you stop being an asshole, you can come back. <laughs> and if you're not too sure if you're being an asshole, ask the people around you. You're probably being an asshole, so stay away. Yeah. Yeah. If you have to ask yourself if you're an asshole, nine times out of ten, you probably are. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, mm-hmm. um, just don't be an asshole. It's it's a, it's a good rule yeah. of life. You know, just, you know, don't get naked in public. Don't be an asshole. No, I've done that before. It's just it not a good idea. Fun. You go jail and, you know. Um, oh, that's half the public. Okay, forget it. Internet spotty, you know, internet spotty in jail and. Most, yeah. people, most women don't look good in orange, you know. We can't all be Laverne Cox. So much, no, I don't. all gorgeous and shit. Oh, um, so, you know, don't be an asshole. Yeah. Mhm. This is especially true in, in fandom. I um, got a email yesterday. Oh, God. And um, um, I shared it with you. you. You already heard it. And I did not respond well to this email because I was really irritated. And then, you know, like, um, the person wasn't exactly um, trying to be evil. It just kind of happened, you know. Um, They weren't mean to be a patronizing twat, but kind of find out 
they were. And here's the, here's what it comes down to is that um, it's okay to be sarcastic with people who know you. But when you're sarcastic with somebody as a joke and they don't know you and you don't know them as well as you think you do, um, you create a situation where you're going to offend somebody a great deal. And this person really offended me. And I'm going to choose to believe her second email when she told me that that wasn't her intention, that she was, you know, not intending to be a sarcastic asshole. It just happened. That really wasn't mm-hmm. what she intended to do. Um, but what happens is is that Facebook and Twitter and Instagram or Tumblr or LiveJournal, um, this podcast, it gives you a false sense of intimacy, and you feel like you know me. You feel okay. like you can poke fun at me or that we have some kind of relationship where you can joke with me when that not might not be the case. In fact, most of the time it is not the case. Um, but I'll be honest and say it took, it took a long time. It took a long time before <laughs> I started uh, before we started joking. What the email was was that she um, asked me if I plan to publish the unspeakable plot in the next five years. Oh Jesus, that one. And and it wasn't. Um, she wasn't trying to be a sarcastic asshole. Um, uh, she actually picked that number in an effort not to put pressure on me, but it came out really fucking sarcastic and terrible. <sighs> so you know, yeah. Just keep that in mind. It um, you know, you don't. Most of you don't really know me. Now I just want to go find that one song, You Don't Know Me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought you don't own me. This is true, that too. Um, yeah, that one. Yeah, it's... Oh, I'm... I know I got lucky uh, when it comes to a lot of things. Um, I... I can't. I I I put forth an email at the right time in the right uh, period where you were asking for assistance, and you know, so the 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 ability to get accepted at that point was was very. You were actually looking for help then, and. Um, even then, it was very much a you sent me stuff, I sent you stuff back, and it was a very unidirectional um, relationship for a long time. And so things eventually changed, but mainly because, you know, I actually did what was right, and I didn't pressure. Okay. I didn't sit there and say, you know, why aren't you giving me this new stuff? Why aren't you telling me these new things? You know? Um, That's actually really interesting because I have had people who um, kind of um, insisted on immediate access to 
everything. And I don't just mean like um, as a writer. I mean like just, you know, you ever meet somebody who just like wants to inject mm-hmm. themselves fully into your life in every single way and it's just like all single mm-hmm. white female on you all of a sudden and there are plenty of yeah. you in the chat room who probably have no idea what I just said because you're so young and fuck you. Uh, sort of. Sorry. Not um, sorry. Um, no. But, I mean, I've I've had friends who just basically kind of glomped onto me and expected all this immediate access and no secrets and tell me everything that I missed while I didn't know you and what is this. And, and they would get mad when they would find something out new about you because you didn't tell them. Mm-hmm. And, no. Uh, for a long time, and, and in a lot of ways, it wasn't my business, you know. Um there was a, a there was a whole month period where you fell off the radar, and I freaked out. Oh um, my god! Why you gotta bring up old shit? No, I'm I'm, I'm mentioning it for for a very specific reason. Um, okay, okay. You and I, you and I were IMing at the time, and I had an email, and I basically left it be for quite a long time because. You have a life, and, you know, your life was not mine and is not mine, okay? And I started getting worried only when I hadn't heard from you for, for a while, and then you showed back up, and, you know, it, it, things get eventually got explained, but it was as, as much as I was worried, it was still a case of, you know, I'm not worried because I'm your beta and you're not giving me stuff, okay? Um, at that point, it was I was worried because it was my friend, all right? And I at least have other options nowadays, so, you know, be that as it may. She but, can call my ass if I ever have a um, an, another you, meltdown. You can ignore the fucking phone. I did in fact have I I did in fuck I did in fact forty and the fun though if I ever heard one have a bit of a meltdown um, over uh, the thing is is I have a very um, intimate and ugly relationship with cancer and um, um, I had a precancerous diagnosis in my twenties and ever since then whenever I have something come up um, if there's a lump. Because a pre-cancer diagnosis is like the most terrible thing you can be told. It, it's kind of like, oh, you almost had cancer, but we got it just in time. Because now every single time you get a lump, mm-hmm. something doesn't look right, the skin looks weird, you think, oh, my God, oh, my God, I have to go to the doctor right now. Because mm-hmm. what if I don't go soon enough and then... It's cancer because yeah. I didn't pay attention or I didn't notice. or And so you end up getting one biopsy after another, and I've had mm-hmm. three. And um, that time I disappeared, I had found a lump in my breast, and it was like I just fucking lost my mind. My sister had to come to my house and drag me out of my house and make me go to the doctor because it was just like I shut down. It was like I... No, I'm I'm not going through this again. But I did, and and it was fine, and it wasn't. It was um, benign. Um, and um, I had a similar experience in April of this year where I had to um, withdraw from a trade because mm-hmm. I had found um, two lumps, and 
I had to have a uh, um, had to have a boob operation, <laughs> and I have a terrible boob, I, have, I have a terrible booby scar underneath my boob, and I don't like it, and it's ugly, and it's so terrible. Um, but um, and so I had to do that in, in April, and um, it, and it. But this time, you know, the these last two times, it, it didn't fuck me up. But that first time after the big. Mm-hmm. Air, it really fucked me up. But now every time it happens, there's just in the back of my mind it's lurking. It's like, oh, is this the time that that we're not going to catch it in time? But is this going to be the one? There's also the, you know, the whole thing of, you know, we're, we're not going to, we're going to be standing right by you, okay? And you know, yes, you're you're along physical way away from us, but um, the the emotional and the, the um, you know, mental connection, if you will, you know, it, it's still there. And quite frankly, if you fall off the edge of the planet again, I can go find you now. <laughs> so, <laughs> you can yeah. jump my fucking house. Knocking on the door. Yeah, that, that'll um, go over but so you know, so yeah. because himself will not be happy with you. <laughs> what is your girlfriend doing but No, here? I mean, <laughs> well, I didn't answer the phone for two months. That's what happens. <laughs> but, you know, so, yeah, I mean, there's this there's this um, disconnect that you go through. Mm-hmm. When, when that happens, and it's, um, it's, uh, in April, I was just frustrated. I, 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 I had I had plans to write, and then I couldn't write. I couldn't concentrate, and I had to have my boobie cut on. And I was like, I don't appreciate that. And I thought, you know, mm-hmm. I'm at that age now, like in my 20s when I was first, um, the, the, the first time it hit me, the idea of losing my breasts was like the most terrifying thing that I could think of. It was like just but now I that doesn't even that isn't even a concern. That isn't something I'm even concerned about. Um of course also the difference is now is that I have insurance that that would cover reconstruction that I did not mm-hmm. have in my twenties. I mean I had insurance but I didn't have insurance that was that comprehensive. But now I've got insurance that not only would allow me to get a, a, a double mastectomy but it would give me new boobies too. The nice ones I could pick them out of a catalog. You know Hey permanently perky. <laughs> Just, I'll take those. <laughs> but um, I don't have that. Um, I did get genetics testing, and I don't have that that gene, that cancer mm-hmm. gene. Um, so my insurance company won't pay to get a preventive mastectomy. Mm-hmm. Um, so because um, I don't qualify for it, and um, but you know. It's it is what it is, and I uh, yeah B, the BRCA two. Thank you, Arlena. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so you know, just watch your boobies, men and women. Breast cancer can happen to mm-hmm. a man. Um, my cousin Stan's actually had a um, a scare and had to have a um, benign tumor removed from his pectoral area. 
He also had one under his arm. So don't just pay attention. You know, just check it all out. Know your body. Know your body. Sadly, we have the weirdest no, but conversations. Yeah. By the way, this is normal for us. I think I've mentioned this before. <laughs> we don't have linear conversations. The day we have a linear conversation, I think I'm going to go check her house for a pod. Well, men do get breast cancer, and there have been several men mm-hmm. in my family who've, who've mm-hmm. come um, into that situation. One died. Um, he uh, Breast cancer was his last diagnosis. He got... He had, did you guys hear that? He called me that yes, woman. A, I'm trying yes. to have a serious conversation about man breast cancer. You know, we're we're on the radio show. We're having a serious conversation here, dear. Yes, but you're talking about me. I am not, unless we're talking about your professor. Would you like to t- talk about That's some arrogant shit. Did you guys hear that? He assumed we were talking about him. No, I was talking about her house. Bullshit. Oh. about me. Your ego is just lovely, dear. Oh, Go away. Look, look. We need to talk to the guys up in the space station so that they can tell us what his ego looks like from space. <laughs> Anyways, I had a cousin. Um, it was a, um, an older cousin. I had cousins who ranged from their early teens um, to their late 80s, and I have um, a cousin who died in his 70s from cancer, and he had cancer um, in his prostate. They got they, they removed yeah. that, and then he got cancer um, in his lungs, and he eventually, um, they had tumors in his breasts as well. So, um, yeah, cancer doesn't, um, um, cancer doesn't discriminate. And, no, it uh, doesn't. Men get breast cancer, and so pay attention to your boobs, guys. Pay attention. Hmm. Yes, I'm that woman. I am that woman. Okay, so let's see. We've got, what, 20 minutes left? I think we've covered all the major stuff. I've plotted my rough trade four times. I mean, I've I've got all my right. plots for SGA and my plot for Harry Potter all squared away. But my Criminal Minds one, I've plotted it three different ways, four different ways, uh, and counting because I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure. Um, it'll probably be the last one I write, so I'll probably mm-hmm. like plot it again during rough trade because I'm not happy with what I've done or, or what I've decided on. And, um, then I, you know, also what happened was is that I realized that almost, that I'm not sure there's a single story on Rough Trade this time with an established Sentinel Guide pair. Almost, like, every mm-hmm. single one of them either is there is no bonding, there is no, or there's a bonding. Like, they're all bonding fix. Like, every mm-hmm. single one of them appears to be some kind of bonding fix or just coming online and figuring out their gifts fix. No, nothing where we're seeing an established sentinel and guide together. Um, and once I realized that, I was like, fuck it, I have to replot one of mine. So I, re- I replied my criminal minds because that was the only one that I could think to replot. And so I replied it four times, and I'm still not happy with it. Maybe I just need to go back to a bonding fic. I don't know. Well, you know, it, I, I won't do it here just because it, it's not appropriate given that 
um, it's rough trade, but you know, you know what, you know my schedule. I mean, follow up. I'll, God knows, I'll sit there and, and you know, hash stuff out with you. And by the way, that's also that, normal with the two of us. Yeah, but I don't normally. We don't normally do that for rough trade, though. I mean, I hardly ever. I'm not. Um, I'm not on my plots for rough trade. No, I know. Well, still, I, but still, I don't. It's just. It's, it's a weird thing. I don't know. Um, yeah. <clears throat> the the challenge fix are, are are interesting and and fun in a different way, and um, my brain processes them differently. Mhm. But I do plot on paper. Um, I always have. I sometimes I use note cards. Yeah, I build a storyboard. And other times it's just um, I like to write on unlined papers, so I buy those art tablets, those sketchbooks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I like those the best. Um, I also have composition notebooks, um, and they're kind of difficult to find online, so I have a lot of online composition books, and I use those for story Bibles. And a story Bible is basically like when it comes to, say, ties that bind, I have a... Um, uh, I have a story Bible for Ties to Bind, and in that Bible is descriptions of the different pleasure houses, character profiles, and um, basic plots for each story so that my arc for the entire series is outlined in my Bible in such a way that I I don't drop the plot. Because while each story connected, each story in Ties to Bind basically stands on its own as a, a with a with a beginning a middle and an end but it's mm-hmm. also telling a bigger story throughout the entire series but i think my best example of that is Sentinels of Atlantis where each story is complete within itself but the episodes come together and the episodes in one big mass have a beginning and middle and an end and you won't believe how difficult that was and maybe actually it's probably astounding to some people that I put that much effort into fan fiction Um, because while each story in Sentinels of Atlantis has a beginning and middle and an end the series itself has a beginning and middle and an end and that's um it's an it's a really awesome accomplishment, and I'm really proud of it. And you know, one of the things for me is, is um, she and I will be talking and we'll be hashing stuff out or, or or just going over stuff. And the the thing is, is I carry a good chunk of what amounts to a story bible in my head because I reread her stuff so often. Um, but it's not a true story bible, and She's caught me on stuff. I mean, that's that's kind of you know normal. She's the author, but you know, I try and if I know I'm going to be getting something, um, if she tells me, you know, hey, I'm I'm writing in this fandom, you know, or this 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 story, you know, be on the lookout for you know something coming in uh, your your mail in the next you know two to three weeks. I'll pull up the the story and reread it beginning to end, um, just so that way I at least know what's happening and so i'll i'll mention something and occasionally i'll get the you can't do this yet there's reasons okay fine you know what i think your story holes aren't you know things are going to get slotted into place later on and it works out and sometimes yeah, that, yeah. sometimes like when i was writing sentinels of atlantis that, that she would go okay but and i'm like no we're, we're going to do that later you know and the thing <laughs> is is that people read it um 
she would see things in beta that uh, the average reader um, wouldn't wouldn't acknowledge as a problem, and it gets resolved in a couple of episodes, and, it, and, and it's not even an issue. It isn't a hole for a reader, but um, mm-hmm. a beta approaches a story from a different angle. Yeah, I'm looking for I'm looking for the plot holes that I can I can drive you know you know nice cell text through and you know in this instance what I thought was a hole um, actually had the corresponding part slot in a couple you know episodes later and that was fine but it was it was very definitely a case of what in the hell there, there's a problem here and you know so I I think that was one of the few where I actually pulled myself out of the beta, and I may, I think I actually emailed you or, or called you or something. Yeah. I got in touch with you and said, hey, look, we've got, you know, I just reread all this stuff. There's a hole. You know, I've got a problem. <laughs> we better fix this before we get anywhere. You know, because, um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a fact of how we do things that Chris and I both get um, the story at the same time. Chris completes Hearst first and then emails Kira and I. And I will admit, I will skim through, and there have been times I've actually counted out how many times I see more sex here. More sex here. More sex here. here. That's not totally Chris's job. That is totally Chris's job. So if you ever want a beta who will tell you where you should put sex, Chris is your girl. He could say, hey, would you mind reading my book, A Ton of Running to Put Sex? And she would be totally yeah. on board with that if you're, you know, you're not an asshole. Because that's, that's like, yeah. she's actually very good at pointing out parts. And I joke about the sex, but um, one of the reasons that Chris is a really good beta in, in this particular area, and Lady Holder can speak to this, is because she um, helps create intimacy in my stories mm-hmm where I might have left it out, um, and so it layers. I think that's especially evident in, in Lantian Legacy because mm-hmm. all the intimate moments between John and Rodney were placed by Chris. Every mm-hmm. single kiss, sex scene, everything in Lantian Legacy um, it sure is... sure me. No, that, that is all Chris is doing, and it creates a level... It, it layers an intimacy over the story mm-hmm. that wasn't there without her input, and that's kind of invaluable um, when you're when you're writing stories like Lantian Legacy, um, where you where I got really um, invested in the uh, the political elements of Atlantean Legacy mm-hmm. and the development of Atlantis. Um, Chris brought me back down and said, okay, but this still has to be a story about John and Rodney because you made them a pairing. Mm-hmm. Unless you're going to make this a genfic, this needs this, this, and this. And then she literally went into the manuscript and pointed out, okay, we can have sex here. There, there could be some kissing mm-hmm. here. There needs to be some intimacy here. I mean, she was very like, boom, on it. Boom, boom, boom. Tell me what John's yeah. thinking. Here's some, why is this not sexy? <laughs> you know? Yes. And, and, you know, here, here's what, what I would get is I would get, I would go through and I would say, okay, I can agree with this. You know, sometimes I don't agree with Chris. And, you know, those, um, or, or I'll put, you know, an alternate of what is, what is, the, why are we thinking this? What, what is, what is the reasoning behind, you know, whatever this is? And um, some of my, some of my my comment notes that that and 
you know, we, we use Microsoft Word um, for this, is, you know, why is this here? What is, what is the you know, meaning behind this? And, you know, then I'm, um, you know, 25, 30, 40, 50 pages further down, and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, that's what that means. Go back up to that note, delete. <laughs> so sometimes <laughs> I find my, you know, the, the answers to my own holes before then. But, no, the reason I mentioned Chris is because I read the stuff first. You know, I, I Chris gets her gets the, the thing the same time I do. I'll read it through first. I won't do any data on it until I see Chris. But I will be thinking about it. Um, the entire time Chris has got it, waiting for you know uh, her to get back to us with her beta, because um, I found that I'm a little more thorough when I have Chris to work off of, and that that but it also prevents well. doubling the work. Like when you're when you're when you're working with more than one beta, you don't want to actually create more work for them. Um, so if they're both working on the same document, it makes it easier than getting documents from two different people where they're pointing out the same problems because after Chris mm-hmm. does hers and Lady Holder goes in behind her, she doesn't have to worry about the elements that Chris has already pointed out unless she mm-hmm. disagrees with what you know what, what has been said. And that happens, and that's the point of having two betas. I get two different perspectives. And, yes, there have been times when I've ignored them both. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. And also times, like with Lantine Legacy, which, you know, during beta gained 30,000 words, something like that. I mean, um, oh, that was such a, where... That, honestly, to me, that was the that was the biggest, hardest push I've ever done. I think it what was, happened a, is, in Lantine Legacy is that we kind of solidified as... as Writer we and beta in in that yeah 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 because um, Lenti Legacy went through like three betas. Uh huh. Well, three for each, like so six betas. Lenti Legacy had six betas, and then it also had a grammar edit because I was like, oh fuck yeah. it, I put all this work in it, <laughs> I might as well get a grammar edit. It. So I had it edited yeah. for grammar as well. But it's like fuck it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'd already put all this effort into it. So we might as well have a grammar edit, and I did. And um, so Lantern Legacy is probably the most heavily edited and baited story on my site. Mm-hmm. Until you finally, uh, until what might have been, um, that one got some pretty heavy edits. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of my, what might have been wasn't baited at all. That was like when I was kind of not um, sure of um, how I wanted to do beta and I've had mm-hmm. that really terrible experience um, mm-hmm. with my beta sharing my rough draft with people uh, without my permission. Mm-hmm. And um, not oh, Lady yeah. Holder. Lady Holder did not do that to me. It was no. somebody else. And, um, Lady Holder has it. Has so, it. <laughs> and she's talking about herself in third person. <laughs> woo <Woo-hoo. laughs> Go for me. Um yeah, it's there's there's something about um, and I with rough trade and and how things work out and and the people that uh, contribute to it and the stories that are in there. I I don't know how many of them because I've never bothered to look. Okay, I don't know how many of them have gone on to the beta process and gotten posted out in the world at large. 
um, that's not something I've, I've gone looking for, but it's um, having the, the safe place to be able to stretch and explore. How many new, how many new returning writers have we gotten who they're not returning to rough trade, they're returning to writing? Okay. Uh, you know, actually, um, I mean, there have been like four or five people who told me that um, that they had been Jillian's burned by fandom in one way or another, and, and Jilly is one of them, um, and mm-hmm. um, that they found their way back into writing and into fandom through Rough Trade. And that's mm-hmm. like, that that's was the whole reason right there. To find out. And it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, just, and there have been others who just said, you know what, I. You gave me my writing back, and I'm like, I don't even know what to do with that. I don't even know what to say mm-hmm. to that because that's like amazing. Yeah. Like I have, um, I had a writer in my life, and um, physically in my life, um, and um, she stopped writing for years, and she started coming to our, you know, our little um, cafe, and she would show up, and she would sometimes she would bring her computer or her notebook, but she never seemed to be working on anything, and but she participated in the conversations and. Um, None of us ever asked her what she was working on because we knew, we knew she wasn't writing, um, and um, we just let it go. And about a year after she started showing up, she sat down and she said, "I'm writing," and I was like, "You fucking go. Let's get some coffee." <laughs> yep. <laughs> it, was, it was, you know, because she. She got there on her own, but um, we just kind of pulled mm-hmm. her in, you know, and and and, and let her be yeah. comfortable and and let her be safe. And the end result is um, that uh, she she writes regularly now, upwards of twenty k a week, mm-hmm. and she's just a fucking badass. And so uh, I think that um, doing that for one writer made Rough Trade worth it. Finding mm-hmm. out that I've done it that that's happened for a lot of writers is Mm -hmm. like so fucking amazing. It's just fucking huge. Yeah. I'm hopeful that for, for other writers who, you know, we we don't make any secret. None of the minions make a secret of how much, um, we will leap to the aid of a writer who's getting bullied. Um, when we don't hide that particular light under a bushel at all, but, you know, it's it's a case of if you if you find that you you want to write and you can't write because you know wherever you are writing you are being harassed, don't give it up. Okay, don't don't say you know fuck it I'm never going to write again. Uh, I, I'm you know taking my you know I'm taking my my toys and, and saying you know go away. Come to our trade. You know we'll. we'll We'll keep you safe. We'll make sure that you have some place to write. And, you know, if you find that, um, you know, this is – put it on Facebook, you know. God knows we'll, we'll we'll keep you safe there, too. We've done it to others. <laughs> you know, we're not exactly shy. Yeah. Um, no, no. Rough trade is a gift. Um, and, but, you know, more than um – keeping you safe, I mm-hmm. would like to teach you skills. I certainly learned a lot from you. So that you don't have to have a safe place. 
I'm giving you a safe place. Mhm. But I think that if I could give anything back to fandom, it would be the um the ability to stand up for yourself and say well, fuck that, and fuck you, and I'm going to write what I want, and if you don't like it, mm-hmm. you can kiss my ass. And I I want that. I want that for you. I, I want you to have that um, that self-awareness and that um, I'm more than willing to go to the bat for you, um, but it would be great if one day you could be standing right yeah. beside me with your own weapon. Yeah. Just pick up a ball bat and swing away, baby. Swing away. Mm-hmm. Because there's no point in letting someone drive you from something that makes you happy. So yep. if that happened to you in the past, I I kinda want you to, you know, um be better be happier, yeah. and yeah, stand um, up. be more comfortable in, in fandom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 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 if you never get there, that's fine. That's fine. I'm I'm not uh, judging you on that because I understand what it's like to get hurt that way, to get um, abused that way, and so I'm more than willing to to be there. I just mm-hmm. I I hope that. Um, you can build on that safety so that you have the strength to say, you know what, no, as a matter of fact, I'm not going to allow you to ruin this for me. I'm not going to allow you to make me miserable. Um, fuck. Fuck you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, you know. Unlike you, unfriend you. I unfriend you. So, yes. you know, you're not required you're to be anybody's camel, friend. Yes, fuck you, fuck you. Dishonor on you, dishonor on your cow. Dishonor on your cow. Yes. (laughs) You know. (laughs) So, you know, but yeah, I, you know, so I I, I hope that that you can get there. But if you don't, I've got a whole horde of minions that would be more than happy to kick somebody's ass for you. Mm Mm-hmm. And, hey, you know, we can go find that gift and just go spray it all over them. You know, there's just there's a whole bunch there's a whole bunch of uh, places in fandom where you can be safe, okay? And we'll do our best to make sure that you get you know get the accesses to them. If that means that you know Rough Trade is you know three times a year is your place to go and and be safe, well then you know watch us and and if you if you think we're going to be it for you, come play, okay? Um, this year we grew. We're huge. You know, it's a, it's an amazing thing. You know, and it's it's going to be an absolutely fabulous thing to see where we end up. And quite honestly, I'm looking forward to the day that you know all these these stories get written. They all get finished. If heaven forbid, they all get put up on Ao3. That's a hell of a boost. You know, and frankly, it's a Boom. nice you know fuck you. It's a nice fuck you to the the hardliners in the Sentinel fandom. <laughs> Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. We're down to 30 seconds. You guys have a great week. I hope your weekend was awesome. We're moving into rough trade in uh, roughly, I don't know, three days, two days. 
we're getting there. Yep. Um, yep. Be safe and be okay. cool. There's always time for lubrication, no and remember, no, no ass to mouth. No ass to mouth. <laughs> shut, shut up and sit down. down. on earth can't all like the same drink that's why circle k has polar pop and froster pick your flavors and make that one in seven billion mix just right for you polar pop and froster just 79 cents each at circle k limited time only at participating locations 500 vehicles to sell 500 ways to save one month only at bill penny mitsubishi during now through May 31st, we will accept your credit application. A $200 down payment and a $350 a week paycheck can get you a new Mitsubishi. Don't forget, every new vehicle comes with our 10-year unlimited warranty. You can win 5000 with our 5K test drive giveaway. Visit BillPennyMitsubishi.com. To qualify buyers on a free credit, warranty valid through 10-year ownership on new vehicles only. One entry per household per month. Must be 21 with valid driver's license and insurance. See dealer for details.